Hello out there, ladies. It's Rochelle with another episode of Unabashed You, where we as women get to talk about stuff. Unabashed You is women talking about stuff. It's a place where we can be uniquely ourselves without apology. We want to be wise, to know our worth, and to enjoy whimsy. I just love Jill. She is truly unabashed. She is one of a kind. Upstanding, loving, kind, thoughtful, savvy, and perceptive, not to mention smart. I know you will enjoy our conversation. Today, our guest is Jill. We met years ago, but did not get to know each other well until a trip to Israel last year. A group tour afforded us time spent together on the bus, on the outings, during meals. That bond continued after we returned home, and we've grown closer ever since. I value her style, her commitment to who she is, and her fierce love of those she loves. I am blessed to call her friend. Welcome, Jill. Thank you. What a lovely introduction. (laughs) I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. All right, so in this first section, what we do is we get to know you a little bit. I ask you some fun questions, and then we we head into the deeper dive, into the topics that you want to cover. So we'll start with three words you would use to describe yourself. What three words would you use to describe yourself? And there, there are no wrong answers here. This is just for fun. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I think that I'm adventurous. Yes. I'm adventurous. I'm, um, uh, friendly. Yes. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> I'm. Um, sincere. <laughs> yes. Those are great words. Yes. Those describe you beautifully along with many, many other adjectives, but oh my goodness, I love those. Those are spot on. All right, Joe, what's one of the scariest things you have ever done? Uh, well, I kind of think what I'm right now is is scary. I mean, not this guy, but, you know, just where I am in this transition with my life. Um, you know, but, that, you know, that's more, I would say, emotionally scary. What, what's just been scary for me, I guess the, the most scared I've ever been in my life has been, you know, on our sailboat. Oh, wow. It's of Gibraltar with huge oil tankers on every side of us and huge winds, and we lost our sail. And <laughs> you know, I, I as I get older, my my sense of fear it seems to have increased because we've been sailing for so long. But um, yeah, I, I I have been very scared out in the out sailing in the ocean. Yes. Well, that's interesting to hear because I've, I mean, I've heard about your many trips and I've thought, wow, this is one brave woman. So it's interesting to hear that you've had some moments of fear and it's perfectly understandable. I mean, you're at sort of the mercy of the weather or the conditions and so many variables that you don't have control over. Yes. And then, you know, and I'm not the captain. <laughs> oh, and. Um, so, I mean, even though George is an incredible, amazing captain, but you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not making decisions and, um, yeah, so I have, I've been so scared. Like if I get off this boat and survive this, I will never do this again. And I say that I, but I always go back out, you know, I always. (laughs) Wow. That's well, there's something to, to that, that you conquered that fear each time and that you you recover, and then you you end up. I don't know if ready for more is the right word, but but prepared to go again. 
yes, prepared to go again. And, you know, it's the good always outweighs the bad. In fact, you know, it's, it's fair weather sailing probably 80% of the time. Right. Yeah. So, but, but I am Oh gosh, gosh. All right, Jill, something on your bucket list, something you still want to do or try or experience. Well, something immediately that I'm getting ready to experience that has been on my bucket list for a long time is I've always wanted to have a, I mean, this is, this is, yeah, this is my bucket list. I've always wanted to have a dog that was going to have puppies. Now, and, okay, go ahead. And so, no, so I am, I'm becoming a foster mother or a foster person to a pregnant dog that's been plucked from Tijuana. And um, I'm going to be a, a foster mother for these, for this dog and her puppies. So you haven't gotten the phone call yet about the dog. No, it should come. It should come any day. I've already done the interview. Uh, I'm getting my house and all, you know, the infrastructure, everything set up to to do this. So it's, you know, it's going to be any day. I'll get the call. <laughs> That's exciting. Once yeah. you get her, do you know how far along she is and how imminent the puppies will be coming? Yes, it's it, the imminent. It will be, you know, within a week. Wow, that I really admire that because that's a big commitment. That's a big commitment. But what is what a beautiful thing it will be to experience that. And I think, you know, typically when we think of bucket lists, we think of travel plans or jumping out of a plane or these adventurous things, but this is a whole different kind of adventure. Being able to, you know, help a dog that needs help that is pregnant, that is going to need help ushering in these puppies and to be there for that miracle of life and all of that. I, I can't wait to hear more about that as it happens. Yeah, I'm excited. And, you know, it, it, and it's not just, you know, it's all, not just all about the puppies that are going to be born. You know, the mother needs so much. Yes. I mean, these dogs that they, they get are, they're in deplorable situations. Not, you know, they all just live on the streets um, under taco vans or, or whatever. And um, yeah, the, the mother, the mother needs so much love and assurance and comfort. You will be so good at that, Jill. You will be so good at that. I'm, yes. looking, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Well, I'll need you to come over because once the babies, the puppies, I call them puppies babies but once the puppies arrive it's so imperative it's so important that they be held and loved and because this is the problem with the mother the mother was just born on the street never got what she needed to form proper attachments and so we don't even know if these dogs are they're not always able to be good moms right they, they don't know how that's a good point well yes i will come over for some puppy help <laughs> i would love that i would love that all right, one of your top 10 movies or TV shows of all time. This could be from back when you were a kid or now or somewhere in between one of your top 10 movies or TV shows of all time. Well, I I loved Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie because, well, when I first saw it, I was so young, so much younger but I didn't, you know, I didn't see the ending coming. You know, it was just one of those surprise endings. And I just, I enjoyed it so much. And then, of course, I've, I've watched it many times since then, and I still love it. Oh, that's great. I love the ones you can go back to and enjoy just as much as, the, you know, for the first time you saw it. Sometimes, And I love Rocky. I can't forget. I loved Rocky. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, one movie of the year was nominated, and everyone yes. denigrated it and said, oh, it was only movie of the year because there were that was a terrible year for movies no good movies were up but I love the story of Rocky I loved that movie it had so much heart it had so much heart and to think that he you know Sylvester Stallone you know wrote it and created it and you know just started paid for it couldn't find anybody to produce it he had to he had to do it all he believed in it right but I think it's a great it's the American dream story. 
Yes. It's, and it warms my heart every time. I oh, love it. I had a Rocky t-shirt. I remember it vividly. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that Rocky <laughs> t-shirt. I don't, I don't still have it. No, I wish I did. I like that. Those are good choices. Jill, who would you like to be stuck on an elevator with? And it can be like anybody, anybody. You don't have to already know them. They can be living or not, or maybe you already know them. But who do you want to be stuck on an elevator with? Uh, I guess my friend Liz. Okay. And why do you want to be stuck with Liz on an elevator? Liz has the uncanny ability to never run out of something to talk about. I could ask anything. I could say, what do you think of Eldridge Cleaver? And she'll just kind of, hmm, wasn't he that Black Panther um, leader back in the 60s? Or whatever I asked her about, she knows something about it. It very insight. It doesn't matter what I ask her. Um, she knows has some touch point to it and she doesn't tire of, of the conversation ever. She, she is probably one of the most loquacious and informed people that I know. And any question that I ask her, it's never a non sequitur. It's never a, where did that come from? It's just like, Oh, well, of course that that's, that's the next appropriate question. You, she's kind of unflappable like that. Oh, I love that. Totally, totally interesting. And, um, you know, she speaks five languages and very talented. Oh, I think she was born in Italy. And so I find her um, interesting always. That's that's a very good answer because that's well thought out, especially spur of the moment. Excellent. And it's also very consistent. She's never like sometimes loquacious and happy and willing to talk. And then other times she's, you know, self-absorbed in something else. She's always consistently uh, interested and available, you know, oh. to, for, for a dynamic conversation. Wow. That, that, she sounds like the perfect person to be in an elevator with. I love it. Okay, now you're going to need to come up with two truths and a lie, and I have to guess the lie. So three things about yourself. They can be super simple. Two are true. One is not, and I have to guess the one that is not true. Two are true, and one is, okay, that's kind of a, okay, two things that are true about me, okay. Yeah, two things that are true, and one thing that isn't true, and then I have to guess Okay. Okay. I have to write these down so I don't get confused. That's okay. Okay. And then another truth would be... Um, Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. 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 Don't tell me what they are. Just tell me three things, and then I have to. I have to decide which one wasn't true. Okay. Go okay. Ahead. Okay. Well, um, I was Little Miss West Houston. Okay. Um, I have. Once I got married, I lived. I moved in. I moved eleven times in the first five years. Oh okay. Um, and I love to cook. Wow. Wow. Okay, so the Little Miss Houston thing, I, I, it could West, be it West. Could, wait, don't, don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm processing out loud. West Houston. So it could be like, well, you weren't West Houston, but you were South Houston or East Houston or North Houston. Okay. And then the second one is, um, what was the second one again? When I was first married, oh, we moved times. 11. 11 times in how many years? Five years? Five. 11 times in five years. Shoot. And see, now that could be like eight times in four years. I mean, that one's tricky too. And then your last one is, I love to cook. 
You know, I don't, I mean, you do cook. I'm just trying to figure out if you love it. Okay, I'm going to go with um, the moving 11 times in five years. No, that one's true. Oh, <laughs> okay, which one's not true? Don't love to cook. Oh. I mean, I'm so happy eating broccoli, eating an apple. Thank God for peanut butter. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely don't love to cook. Okay. But I did cook so much because, you know, for the boys. Yes. They always, you know, water polo and all those sports. And boy, did I cook. Okay, but so it, you cook, but you don't love it. Okay, I get that. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Not cooking for them. Okay. Okay. And that's a like that's a love language kind of a thing. It's something that you know you have to give, and the, of course, boys, growing boys especially, really need to eat. It was actually very fulfilling to cook, and they loved it. Sometimes they would even take pictures of the food. I, I don't know because you know it would look so good. But but now I don't. You know I don't have a reason to, and so I don't really. Right. You know, Except for the steaming of the broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we, you know, many women sort of reach that point, and I'm certainly there where it's like, mm, I'll fix myself something, but like get in and cook, it doesn't, not very appealing. Not very appealing at all. A, a, a very elegant gourmet meal What's for that? Oh, Ron, do does. Ron does like to cook, and he does like to cook for himself. We just don't happen to eat the same things. That's kind of the problem. All right, so now we're going to go into our deep dive. You wanted to discuss a couple things. Let's start with aesthetics, the importance of aesthetics. This is something that really is you are passionate about. You have worked in this field. Your home is beautiful. I mean, these are... Um, you know, this is something that is really a, a part of you in, in every way that a, something could be a part of a person. I mean, your home, uh, the way you present yourself to the world and the way you dress. I mean, you have really, you know, exquisite, wonderful taste. So I, I wanted to look up the definition of aesthetics just to remember. I mean, I, I know what they are, but it's like, well, what? how do we define that? It, it's a philosophical study that mm-hmm. deals with the nature and appreciation of art, beauty, and taste. And so I can totally see why that topic speaks to you. So. Tell us about what you want to tell us about aesthetics, and I'll kind of shoot questions here and there as we progress through the conversation. What drew you to it originally? What drew you to aesthetics originally? Well, I just am drawn to aesthetics. Uh, You know, we've traveled all over the world. You know, before we had the sailboat, and, you know, of course we do a lot of camping too, but we've stayed in, you know, all kinds of hotels all over the world, but the room, the aesthetic, it's, everything is always so important to me. I would always have to check out four or five different rooms at the hotel before I would settle on the room I wanted. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, because, because to me, the aesthetics, our environment is so important, or at least it is for me. It, it, it elicits so much for me, the lighting, the mood, the ambiance, and, I think it's such a great way to make people feel uncomfortable, to make people feel comfortable. And I think it's, it's a powerful way to, uh, to just to allow people to relax and really feel invited and find, find your environment that you're presenting to them appealing and uh, inviting. And it just, for me, it brings me, comfort enjoyment i find i find visually aesthetic environments just uh inspirational and i i just appreciate it so what i do and also i know i know the value of it because i'm a home enhancer so real estate agents will hire me to come in and help transform a home so that they can sell it and usually people have nice things that you know you know, every house in San Diego is nice. Um, 
So it usually just involves going in, you know, editing out all the color, uh, clutter, rearranging what they have, uh, rehanging some of their artwork, their artwork I decide to keep. And then I just bring in like a few designer pieces at the end. Sometimes I bring, I have to bring in a lot and just kind of to pull it all together. And what this does is uh, creates this instantly appealing, instantly inviting home. So when people walk in and, and formulate their opinion in four seconds or less, which is what happens because it's all subconscious, you know, what we like, what we don't like, what we find appealing. It happens subconsciously in us before we even realize it. So I love doing that. I love taking the, the worse the house, the more I love the job. <laughs> I, I love it. And I love the possibility. And I just re, I just did. Um, oh, I'm going to end. I just redid my guest bedroom because my sister's coming from Houston. Oh, good. And and I didn't like the way that room felt when I walked in. It was the guest bedroom. It was the bedroom off by the garage. It's the room that everybody would go in to use the bathroom after they got out of the hot tub. Anyway, but um, it's been so fun transforming it and just you know kind of using things that I already had getting finding a few new things and uh, I mean my whole I mean I just go in there and sit sometimes now I like it so much it's 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 so much more lovelier it's so so lovely oh that's but it's hard to do well and, and you obviously have a gift at that and I'm as you're talking about this I'm thinking of different places like hotels or things that I've walked into and there is like a physical sensation when you walk in and a place is beautiful. You instantly feel relaxed and kind of washed over uh, with this feeling of like joy and peace and relaxation that really is hard to articulate in, you know, in, in words. But you just know it when you're in it. It's just like, oh. This is so conversely going in somewhere where it's not a lot of thought has been given and, you know, you walk in and, and I, I physically just, I don't feel, I feel a little tense, a little on edge. So it, it is very interesting that so much of that is environmental and I, I'm not sure I really piece it together quite like that before. I like that. Did, did you feel good? As a young girl walking into your classroom with the fluorescent lights and the linoleum floor. You know, interestingly, the teachers that I probably really liked were the teachers that had a, a more calm and peaceful room versus the teachers who had every square inch of the walls and everything just with loads of stuff all over it. I mean, I'm, I'm sensitive, uh, stimulus wise. So I would f instantly feel sort of overwhelmed and like, I couldn't relax and no, who, no, the, the fluorescent lights. No, 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 that was never a good, that's not a good look. <laughs> just, just an oh, LED lights came out in the first version of, of the LED lights. Remember how they looked like a warehouse. They were that oh. really oh. blue, and, and people would put, and then that, the year that everybody started using LED Christmas lights and they would have that, that warehouse kind of really, um, just harsh, harsh and, and shrill looking light on their outside of their house. And, and now we're in a new phase of these LED lights where like, you know, you can get the soft white or the ambient glow or, or or whatever. And, um, but that was really hard for me. I came home one day and my husband said, honey, I've switched out all of our kitchen lights. And I turned the lights on and it did, it looked like a, <laughs> it looked like a warehouse. And, uh, it, it was not a, that was not a good feeling for me. No. Well, yeah. And I'm sure you promptly took care of that and made it a, a beautiful, warm, welcoming space once again. Thank you. So beauty, creativity inspires us, and it can be as simple as the room you're in and what you put in your room. And we're not necessarily talking about high-end items. We're talking about a combination of, of uh, 
color, I would imagine, is a part of it. Color and artwork and furnishings and how you choose to put those together. Do you, I mean, did you study that, Jill? Or is that just something like it's so in you, you just know it when you see it? I, it's interesting that you mentioned the price point because I believe that things can be beautiful at every price point. It, 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 you know, uh, but that's how it started. When I was in college, I didn't have a lot of money. I had practically no money. So I would go to the thrift stores and just find all kinds of things that I thought were interesting, interesting things. And um, I would paint everything. I mean, I would paint everything in my path. Just so I'd find these really unique pieces, paint them, and I would just put together things that I liked, things that were appealing to me. And it was so, it was fun. It was creative. And plus it was, you know, an option that was available for me. And it kind of started from there. And then my friends would come over and see what I did and what I, you know, and be shocked that I, I got it at thrift stores. This was back in eight, the eighties. No one shopped at thrift stores then. <laughs> it was not the trendy thing to do at all. And that's kind of how it started. I would, yeah, that's exactly how it started. And then I always did the same thing with all the homes that we lived in. And back when George and I were first married, I would live in homes and stage them. I, we would live in it for, for, for free. And I would just stage it. Live, we would live there. And then when the real estate agent was trying to sell it, you know, I, I would have it all fixed up and looking great and leave for the showings and then come back. And that's kind of, how and that's how it all it started from a place of need mm -hmm. and then because and then I imagine you know you were either well born or you learned through your environment I mean what you found interesting in terms of appeal color right. all that sort of thing so mm -hmm. you didn't go to school like you can get an art history degree or it, not related at all no, no, not at all. But I have to say, I, I, I never liked anything that was common or, you know, the ubiquitous style or even the trends today. I don't ever go for it. It just doesn't appeal to me. I like something that's more, I don't know. I kind of like more of an eclectic traveled, um, you know, just something that's not predictable, but to me, it's always, it's, you know, it's always got to be pretty or appealing. And, um, that's what, that's how I fixed up my dorm room. That's how I fixed up all my apartments. And, um, I just, I guess I was just trying to please myself first. Right. And then I, and then I kind of developed now for my work, when I'm working with these real estate agents for their listings, I, I have to kind of temper what I like, what I think is cool and what would be so fun to try. I can't take too many risks because I have to, I know what the goal is. Right. Make it most generally appealing to the most amount of people. Um, so that's why I think I've enjoyed so much doing my sister's room. Oh, excellent. And so you, you get great peace being in that room, knowing that you've redone it and it's beautiful and you spend time in there. True. <laughs> That I love so much in the room is this starburst kind of chandelier. And I found it in the trash bin at um, a home, at a property that my, my, my husband had bought. He's going to be building, I think, four or eight apartments um, on it. And he was just kind of like cleaning up, getting, you know, cleaning up and out the house so that he could get it ready for rent. And I saw this lamp in the, and, you know, it was in a hundred different pieces because it has all these little starbursts that come out of it. And I pulled that every piece out of the trash and, and, um, you know, had it in my garage for a while and I cleaned it, put it all back together and I love it. Oh, that's great. Go in the store and buy. I have no idea where it came from. I've never seen anything like it, but it's special. Very unique. Now, did you keep it as is, or did you do any painting or, or any refurbishing to it? No, I just kept it as is. In fact, when they were spraying the house, some overspray did get on some of the the little starbursts that extend out. Uh, so I had to, you know, use some goop off and clean clean the some of the overspray of the paint on it. But no, I mean, it's I just cannot believe anybody would see it and throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> I was digging it out of the trash can. One of the little workers at the job site, I was, you know, loading it all in my car. And he came running after me and 
I had left, I don't know, some little plate, a plate that goes inside the, the fixture, you know, that, when it adheres to the ceiling, it was some, you know, one of the internal electrical parts. And um, he came running after me to give it to me. And oh, I'm so grateful sweet. because without it, I, the lamp would not have worked. The light right. fixture would not have worked. So, but anyway, so I just did the whole room kind of around that, kind of that kind of glamorous kind of starburst. And then I have this beautiful giant picture of Audrey Hepburn, oh. um, you, know, you know, breakfast at Tiffany's and she's standing there with her gloves and her jewels. And then all the crystal chandeliers are in the reflection oh. of the, it's a, it, it looks so nice and it's so feminine. And I, I'm excited for my sister to come and relax and enjoy the space. Good. Well, I look forward to seeing that when I get to come see the puppies. Yes. Yes. So you also mentioned that you believe that aesthetics is undervalued. So tell me about that. Well, I don't know that it, the word is that actually, I don't know that that's actually the right word undervalued. I just think that people are um, not aware. Okay. They're not conscious that, um, you know, when they, you know, the importance of, of the environment, the ambiance, the way something smells, the way, um, the way things appeal. I don't, I'm not sure people consider it as much, I guess, you know, I'm just more drawn to it. So of course I have more awareness about it because I'm affected by my environment. Maybe other people just are not as affected, but when we go out to dinner, I mean, if if I'm sitting under like these garish lights beaming down on me, I'll ask, I say, could you please turn these lights down? I feel like I'm at lunch. I'm at dinner. And they'll come back and say, well, I asked the manager and we can't, we can't lower the lights or we'll have to lower the lights in the whole restaurant. And I say, I say, so lower the lights in the whole, you know, you know it, it, yeah, it does. It does matter to me. And my husband's sitting there saying he has no concern about the lights being too bright or, or shining down on him. And, um, so it's, so I, I, I don't know if it's undervalued. I just think some people don't have a, um, don't have a concern with it. Well, and you mentioned something when in our pre-interview, you talked about, and I think this goes with it, really how powerful our environment is. I mean, it's it's it is very powerful what we surround ourselves with, and and all of that. It can make a huge difference. It makes studies in hospitals when you get a a bad room in the hospital without a window, you know, these people don't heal as fast. They don't get well um, as quickly as the people that have the end room with the view of the trees and the grass and the park and um, natural lighting. Um, yeah. And they've done studies, you know, the aesthetics in, in women's prisons, you know, um, I don't have the report or the, the um, the facts in front of me, but they did a whole refurbishment of the women's prison, the common areas, the cells, every part. And, and it was all set up how they would walk along nice little meandering paths with grass and trees. And, and the incidents of, of violence and uh, fighting went, went down dramatically. Mm. Just because the environment was more enriching, more soothing, uh, inspiring. Mm. Oh, wow! And so we we have we have a lot of different um, resources to um, to you know to create or make make positive change, and it just happens to be something that I enjoy um, improve you know making improvements in that area of of aesthetics, of style, of decor. And, um, yeah. And I, and I like to see people respond to it. When I, when I do, very rewarding. Yeah. Just says, says Arthur moved out. I redid his room as well. I've been busy here. So I re- redid his room and he, he's, you know, he's delighted. He doesn't live here anymore, but he, he, he loved it. He loved it. So is it another bedroom or did you turn it into a, like a, 
uh, den slash where somebody could sleep if they wanted to. Yeah, I, you know, he, you know, the, there was no bed in there, so I kind of turned it into temporarily my sewing room and my yoga room. But then I got to thinking, I, you know, I don't want Arthur to see his room like this. I want him to always feel welcomed, always consider coming back or just coming visit for a night or or whatever. So I decided to move the bed from the from the spare bedroom into Arthur's room. And then that's when I redid my, you know, the spare bedroom for my sister. I got, you know, an upholstered bed and made it a little bit more glamorous. And I fixed Arthur's room back. And so it just kind of looks like a, a bohemian surf, 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 I would say surf shack. But, you know, it's got that surfer bohemian vibe to it. That's perfect. Yeah. That's really perfect. All right. Now you posed a question to me. And so I'd like us both to answer this. You asked me if I would rather have, is it, would I rather have beauty versus intelligence or more beauty and more intelligence? I, I want to be sure I get the question right before I try to answer it. Well, just some, you know, would you be, would you rather be pretty or smart? Okay. So what offers you more advantages in life? And, only because, okay, I, I, read, I read the Wall Street Journal. I try to read it every day. But this question, this theme comes up periodically. And the reason why I think it's such a, um, I've always thought it was an interesting question is um, because how people answer it. People answer it in one way, but every indicator, most indicators that I see amongst my friends and among people that I know indicates that the other answer is actually more, more, more prevalent. You know, people want, okay. So when I ask people the question, their first response is, Oh, I'd rather be more smart. That's more important. That's the way people, most people answer the question. But I, my theory is that I think most people would really rather be more pretty, but people aren't, aren't comfortable to say that. Interesting. Okay. Because my first reaction was, yes, I'd rather be smart. That, that was my first reaction. Um, just, I guess, just based on, you know, when you've got brains and you're hopefully wise with that knowledge, then that's a really good thing. Um, and I guess, too, you know, we could pick this apart. I mean, beautiful, you know, of course, we say that's in the eye of the beholder. But, I, you know, I'm obviously overthinking it. So tell me more about your theory. It's just that, um, yeah, to be extremely smart or to be extremely beautiful, they're both advantages in in our life and, I think, in our world we live in. Um, And people that I have asked this question to all, like you say, always say they'd rather be smart. But you, you look around and you see, you know, all the money that's invested in and, and hair and teeth and skin care, um, Botox, um, clothes, um, you know, plastic surgery and, you know, and how many people spend time, you know, developing their brain, you know, going to Kumon, how many adults, you know, go to Kumon or whatever, you know, to, to make them to really develop or grow their brain. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe all those things are done more privately or more, or, or more, yes, yeah, just more under the, the radar. Um, but I, I think it's an interesting question. Um, and I think, I don't know. I was curious in what your opinion was. Well, I feel like, you know, I gave it, but then you brought up so many good points. It's, it's, it, yeah. How would you answer it? Well, I, well, it, it sounds so shallow and vapid, but most of my advantages in my life came when I was, you know, of course I'm old now, but, um, no, you're not. Lungs are declining. My, my brain power is declining too because of my age. But I have to say when I was young that, um, I might be, being attractive opened a lot of doors 
it opens a lot of doors and it takes at least five minutes when you're talking to someone to, you know, to figure out if they're smart or not. You don't even always, can't always tell within the first five, you can initially, you know, you immediately are attracted to somebody. And I think it, 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 I think it does offer advantages. And if you've had, um, people show preference to you because of your attractiveness and you get that response continually over the course of your life. I mean, you have a big advantage, a big advantage mm-hmm. uh, for yourself. I think good looks at an extra head start. And, um, and of course you have to be smart to back it up, but I do think it helps open doors. I think it helps you get job interviews. I think people, just seem to be willing to help you out a lot more. As I've gotten older, the older we get, we kind of become a little bit invisible. It, we, we do. And I, I think now, you know, I've, I've been, de- I've been, I am one of those people that do develop my brain. I read, I try to learn something new every day. And I think, I think it's very satisfying to, you know, to have, confidence in your ability to figure things out and to, um, you know, I think being intelligent helps you relate to more people, have better conversation and just enjoy people more. Uh, I, I guess the best of both worlds is to be both smart and pretty. Well, and I've got news for you. You are both. You are definitely both. You are beautiful and you are very intelligent. I mean, the books you read, for your own knowledge, astound me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, most people want to have, okay, thank you, that was very nice of you to say. And when you, know, when you get down to it, when you ask somebody the question, um, I think most people in life want, most people want to have you know, an emotionally fulfilling life. They want more opportunities for friendship and romance. Of course, people want to be financially successful. Um, I think being attractive does help open doors. Um, but I do think, you know, you know, being smart, you know, having godly wisdom, I think that's probably the ultimate, um, asset can have, right. You know, godly wisdom, right. Uh, you know, the ability to be able to make good choices, um, white wise choices. I think that's, that's been the biggest, um, help in my life. Well, and, and it, it seems as though you, you know, your beauty might get you through the door, but you're not going to really get to stay there very long if you don't have some of the smarts to go with that. You know, I mean, absolutely. well, depending on what it is, but in general, it's, it's, I think we've decided it's best to have both. <laughs> and if you're smart, you know how to make yourself more pretty. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're and smart, if you, you, yes. And if you have that confidence, I mean, you know, of being, feeling good about who you are, there, there is an appeal. There's a draw to that, to other people. You know, when people who are confident and feel confident and they might not, you know, on paper be classically beautiful or what have you, but they are beautiful because they've, they're so filled with light and radiance and, and joy and uh, they feel good about themselves. They know who they are. I mean, all those things are so appealing and it, it can change really the way a person looks. Absolutely. If, if somebody's not attractive, but they have that pleasing way about them and that confidence and all, they exude a comfort with themselves that puts you at ease. They, they do grow more attractive over time. They, they really do. Um, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, one point we didn't talk about, I just read, I just wrote down this note was, you know, the people who don't talk so much, they appear more intelligent. Oh, I don't think I've ever thought of it that way before. <laughs> people talk a lot, just kind of sit back. You, you think they look more, you know, they have more of a pensive 
um, way about them. Yeah, they don't give themselves away. They appear to be more smart. Interesting. Now, have you ever done that as a social experiment? Like just at a get-together or a party? Just tried that out? No, I'm too curious. Even if, <laughs> I, I don't usually talk so much about myself. Um, but as far as social experiments, I... I I guess I can't manage myself. I'm really very, very curious. I love meeting new people and figuring people out and, you know, just I, I'm, I'm very curious about people. So I do ask a lot of questions. I like that well, about you. I do. But, like I like that about you. Very much. All right. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to cover before we conclude? Well, I was just wanted to add one more thing about this debate of which would we rather have more beauty or more intelligence. I think um, another component that's so appealing that really helps relationships um, is humor. Oh, yes, absolutely. And humor is, you know, having the ability to, to be funny and have humor. I, I think that's a, a real sign of intelligence. Because you know it takes wit, wit you know to be witty and not sarcastic. Because I don't, I don't like sarcasm, but I, I do love funny people. Yes, there's nothing. There aren't too many things better than a really good belly laugh. I mean, it, it just is. There's something so therapeutic, satisfying, and elating about that. Yeah, I, I look forward to whenever I get to have those to have it because it's it's just so fun and I think as we grow older unfortunately we lose a lot of our playfulness and I think that's one of the things that you know I'm hoping to kind of throw out there through this podcast is that yes we want to you know fill our worth and yes we want to be wise but we also want whimsy and part of that is being playful no matter how old you are and you know, I mean, you look at kids and the way they play. I mean, you know, we can still do some of that. I mean, we couldn't do it as much as they can, but we shouldn't lose that. I think that that's, there's something really wrong about losing the playful part. You can be childlike without being childish. Oh, I love that you said that. I mean, I love that you use the word playfulness. It's, it's, it's so valuable. I love the, play, the playfulness of, of, of my, my relationships. I love games, but I just love this, the playful spirit. Like you mentioned, it's, it, it's something that we, we shouldn't lose. And it's something I think we should really keep cultivating. The older we get, we need to cultivate it more. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I love it. Well, I can't wait to come over and play and be playful with the puppies and see the yes. new room. So let me know when Mama, the Mama, comes in and when you, you know, you feel like she's ready to receive a visitor because I'm sure that this is going to be, I would think, a little traumatic for her, right? But then once once she gets to know you and how loving and giving you are, she's just going to. I imagine just settle in and one figure she hit the lotto. <laughs> She's just gonna, you know, just like what happened? I mean, I'm in this warm, nice home and this lady keeps taking care of me. There's every time I wake up, there's a bowl of food. <laughs> what is up with that? Yes. yes. What so a, I, yeah, what a joy that's going to be. I'm looking forward to hearing about that new adventure of yours. Well, thank you, Jill, for taking this time to teach us more about aesthetics and, and how sometimes when we enter spaces, we feel different things and how we can, you know, do that within our own homes, within our own spaces. And it doesn't have to break the bank. It can be uh, a very simple thing. And um, I, I love that you're passionate about that. I love that that came from need. And that you've, you've kept that going and you've carried that throughout your entire, your entire life across the board. So thank you for being with us. Loved having you on the podcast. 
and I'll let you know when I have everything together. Okay. Thank you. I you are so welcome. Thank you for your for your um, really thoughtful feedback. <laughs> you are very welcome. Bye. Bye. We are made to appreciate beauty, and it comes in all forms, from nature to how we lay out our own personal environment to the kind of person we present to the world, even our hearts. Beauty does shine from within. Thanks to Jill for being our guest today and for sharing her passion for aesthetics, the impact, the invitation of comfort and relaxation, to appreciate it because it pleases our senses. And as always, we are grateful to you, listeners. These episodes are for you. If you have something to add or want to check out the blog that goes with each episode, you can find us at unabashedyou.com. And as always, we welcome questions, ideas, or feedback at unabashedyou at gmail.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already done so, please take a moment to rate and review. They don't collect any personal information, and it takes about 30 seconds. It's a great way for the podcast to be discovered and to reach more and more women who can be a part of the movement. It is my joy to help you feel good about who you are exactly as you are. You are enough. Our blessing for today, may the beauty of your life become more visible to you, that you may glimpse your wild divinity. May the wonders of the earth call you forth from all your small secret prisons and set your feet free in the pasture of possibilities. May the light of dawn anoint your eyes that you may behold what a miracle a day is. May the liturgy of twilight shelter all your fears and darkness within the circles of ease. May the angel of memory surprise you in bleak times with new gifts from the harvest of your vanished days. May you allow no dark hand to quench the candle of hope in your heart. May you discover a new generosity towards yourself and encourage yourself to engage your life as a great adventure. May the outside voices of fear and despair find no echo in you. May you always trust the urgency and wisdom of your own spirit. May the shelter and nourishment of all the good you have done, the love you have shown, the suffering you have carried, awaken around you to bless your life a thousand times. And when love finds the path to your door, may you open like the earth to the dawn and trust your every hidden color towards its nourishment of light. May you find enough stillness and silence to savor the kiss of God on your soul and delight in the eternity that shapes you, that holds you and calls you. And may you know that despite confusion, anxiety, and emptiness, your name is written in heaven. And may you come to see your life as a quiet sacrament of service, which awakens around you a rhythm where doubt gives way to the grace of wonder, where what is awkward and strained can find elegance, and where crippled hope can find wings and torment enter at last unto the grace of serenity. May divine beauty bless you. By John O'Donohue. Women, your call, go be unabashed. Be you.